Good morning, story savants. So today we are going to talk about maybe one of my favorite tricks for how to begin your story. It has to do with where to start writing your story. Even if you have part of your story already written or already imagined, when you sit down to actually plot it out and make sure you have all of the elements of it, this is where I would suggest you start. So you are not gonna wanna miss this. Do you want to write fiction but don't know where to start? Believe me, I understand. I've stood in your shoes. I've wanted to write amazing stories and wondered if I was even on the right track. I worried and struggled for years. I know what it feels like to have no idea what you're doing. Like everything you write is cheesy and amateurish and you'll never be good enough to sit on the shelves next to the great authors of your time or the classics. But I want you to know there's an answer for you. A way to know that the stories you're writing will resonate with readers. A way to transform from wherever you are now in your writing journey to someone who's universally hailed as talented and a skilled storyteller. Welcome to The Story Savant, the podcast with free writing advice for the aspiring storyteller. I'm going to give you every tool I know to help you become a master storyteller. Every week, I'll bring you tips on story structure, characterization, themes, heroes, villains, and more to automatically make your story resonate with your audience. Stay tuned. We're going to learn to tell amazing stories, and we're going to have a ton of fun doing it. Let's do this. Okay, so today we're talking about where to start writing your story. This is a tip I actually learned from author James Scott Bell. He talks about it in his book, Write Your Novel from the Middle. Now, I'm not going to cover even a fraction of what he covers in that book, so this is just one of the things he talks about. And he's a very wise man, it's a very good book, so if you click on the story notes, I will make sure to link to his book. From there, I would highly recommend that anybody who's considering writing seriously read pretty much everything he's ever written for authors. All right, so what is this great tip that I'm giving you today? It is to start writing your story from your character's transformation moment. So that begs the question, what is the character's transformation moment? It's actually very subtle, more subtle than you would think. There's always a point in any story where the character stops to kind of take stock of their situation and consider who they are and how they're going to handle things moving forward. This is not the midpoint when they decide to take action. In a way, this is kind of them stopping to reflect on everything that's happened up until now in the story, and then they make a decision. This moment can come point of the climax or or in conjunction with it, but more often it comes right before the climax. And the reason for that is that the decisions that they make in this very small, quiet moment of reflection is what spurs them into the climax. So again, every story is different. You don't have to have it in any particular order, but most often I see that this moment happens just prior to the climax. As always, it's best to learn this by looking at some examples. So I talk about Pride and Prejudice a lot, but hey, that story is a classic for a reason. Elizabeth's transformational moment comes when she is visited in the middle of the night by Lady Catherine de Bourgh. And the reason for this is that this is when Elizabeth first admits, probably both to herself and through her actions to others, specifically to Lady Catherine, that she has romantic feelings for Mr. Darcy. Before this scene, we, I mean, we as the audience kind of know that she has those feelings, but we see her denying them and minimizing them. She talks to Jane and, you know, tells her that Mr. Darcy knows about Lydia and and Jane kind of asks her, you know, why do you care what he thinks? You hate Mr. Darcy. And Elizabeth's answer is kind of to say, well, yeah, yeah, I do. But I just, I don't like the idea that he knows this about our family or is thinking bad of me. So she's still not really admitting it. But then with Lady Catherine de Bourgh, she does. And true to what I said a moment ago, it's right after that, that she meets with Mr. Darcy again. And they finally um, admit their feelings for each other and then become engaged. 
Um, let's look at a second example. Let's look at Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. The moment of transformation here is when Harry, Ron, and Hermione are trying to get into the dungeon to confront Quirrell. They actually think it's Snape, but that's a detail. And um, right after they play wizard's chess and Ron gets hurt, Harry and Hermione kind of have this moment, this tiny little conversation where they talk about loyalty and bravery and friendship and what's really important in life. Again, this is the transformational moment. This is the moment when Harry decides he's going to go on by himself and face his enemy alone, and he sends... Hermione back to get help for Ron. It's really important that they actually mention these things because these things are lessons that Harry has learned throughout the story about friendship and bravery and what's really important. And I will come back to that in just a minute. But again, this is the transformational moment. And right after that, he goes into what is the climax of the show where he has kind of a face down with the villain, which in the first installment is Quirrell. All right, third example. Let's look at Lord of the Rings. I Once again, I talked about the Fellowship of the Ring film when I did my original nine essential plot points podcast. So if you want to listen to that, it's episode three. But let's go back to that again and look at Frodo's transformational moment. It does sort of happen kind of in conjunction with the climax, but it, it you could argue that it's just a little bit before too. It's when, it's basically what leads up to Frodo deciding he can take the ring to Mordor. He sort of looks back over what has happened so far in the story and we hear him remembering Gandalf's words. And that's transformational because he goes from, he goes from what he's been doing in the story up to then, which is having serious doubts that that this is something he can do on his own to deciding that he can do it on his own and that he will. And then after that, he puts the ring in his pocket and heads to Mordor. And so we see a transformation from him going from being doubtful and being afraid to being very determined. That's transformation. And that's how the audience really 100% gets behind him because we can see him struggling and we see his doubts and then he transforms and we just were 100% there to root for him. So the next question is, why is the transformation moment important in crafting your story? Once you have that transformation moment, what do you do next? Well, first of all, keep a few things in mind. The transformational moment will not inform your plot events so much as the character's internal conflict. So when I'm talking about this, it's really mostly about your character's internal arc. However, that doesn't mean that it's not relevant to the plot. Actually, the transformation and the plot should be tied together. In most great stories, the character starts out at the beginning being thrown into a set of events that is outside their control, and then at some point, which I call the midpoint or the turning point, they make a choice to act rather than to be acted upon. And as events in the story unfold, that, that choice to act will lead to the transformation. And as I said before, once they transform, that is going to decide how they approach the climax, which is usually them coming face to face with their nemesis. So it is all interconnected. But why is it important to start your story by defining the transformation? The reason is because once you have the transformational moment in mind, you can use that to craft the rest of the story. Let's look at Harry Potter again as an example, specifically the Sorcerer's Stone. I'm not saying that J.K. Rowling used this to write Harry Potter, but let's just pretend for a moment that she did. So let's say she decided that Harry's transformational moment in book one would be him coming to a realization about the importance of friendship and bravery and loyalty. Well, at that point, she already has what her world before will be, because it kind of needs to be the opposite. If, ha if Harry is transforming to this, then he needs to come from a place where he did not have friends. He did not have anyone showing him loyalty. 
He did not have acceptance. And that's exactly what she did. Harry starts out in the cupboard under the stairs with an abusive family and no friends. And then when he goes to Hogwarts, he finds friendship and acceptance. His transformational moment is when he realizes that. So once you have the transformation, you can figure out the beginning of the story. The character will start off in the opposite state from what the transformation will be. Once you've figured out the world before, you might ask, what happens next? Well, the earliest story beats, such as intro to conflict, call to adventure, come in the form of Harry, come in the form of Harry finding out he's a wizard and then entering the wizarding world. So at least for book one, those are taken care of. But let's once again say that J.K. Rowling knew she wanted a story about a boy who came from a terrible abusive background and then found these things, you know, friendship, bravery, loyalty in the magical world. Well, now she has to get from the world before, which was the negative state, to that transformation. How does she do that? The answer is by creating incidents in the story that illustrate these things. We see Harry meeting friends, you know, Ron, Hermione, Neville, and others, but also some not-so-friendly kids, such as Malfoy. And it's important that we see him meet both so that he can differentiate between the two and choose who he's going to be. We see him displaying courage against the troll. We see him figuring out the mystery of what's in the dungeon. All of these things build upon each other so that when we come to to that moment of transformation, it just makes sense. We've seen all of his struggles and we're with him when he has that moment of transcendence. As a note, it's also important that you understand that the transformational moment doesn't have to be quite this on the nose. I mean, Harry and Hermione literally talk about friendship and bravery, and those are very universal themes. You don't have to do that. Part of the reason that's done is because this was sort of a children's story, especially back in book one. And with children, you kind of need to be a little bit more overt that way with your themes. But especially if you're writing about, you know, an alpha male detective solving a crime, chances are he's not sitting around thinking about those things all the time. Your transformational moments should be tied to your world and to your story. They're probably going to be thinking about things that happened in the plot and making a decision about moving forward into the climax, but it can be much more subtle than how Rowling did it in Harry Potter. Let's go back to Frodo again. Notice how Frodo isn't thinking specifically about having courage or doing the right thing. He doesn't actually have the thought that the smallest person can change the course of the future. He's really only thinking about whether he's going to be able to take the ring into Mordor or not. And of course, that's very story specific. But your audience, as you know, human beings inherently understand the themes that play into those conflicts and those transformation. And those themes kind of become the subtext of the scene. The audience will get it. They will understand. You don't have to over-explain it to them. I also want to mention that the transformational moment can work a little bit differently if you're talking about plot-driven stories. Now, let me go off on just a little bit of a tangent about plot-driven stories here. I actually don't believe that some stories are plot-driven and some are character-driven, even though we tend to classify them that way. For anyone who doesn't know what I mean when I say that, plot-driven stories are usually ones, they're usually thought of as ones in which the character does not change. So from beginning to end, the character is basically the same and it's all action. So you, in terms of films, these would be action films. These would be Die Hard. They would be um, Jack Reacher films. Actually, a lot of Tom Cruise films. Um, Mission Impossible films. Things like that. Like There's not a huge internal transformation with the character. Those would be plot-driven. Character-driven are ones that focus more, about, focus more on who the character is and we definitely do see a transformation there. But I would submit that it's all a continuum even the plot-driven ones do have some character transformation, and even the really heavy character-driven ones, they still have a plot, right? They still have some action. So it's really a continuum, and it just depends on where you fall in that continuum. However, understand that if you're doing a mostly plot-driven story, and your character is not going to change a whole lot, and there's it's kind of like an action novel, then the transformation does work just a little bit differently. It's still there, but chances are it's going to come in the form of the hero 
going up against the villain and finding that he's not going to win. You know, he thinks he's going to die doing this. There's no way to overcome the villain. And the transformation comes in him kind of realizing a way that he can win. It's usually, you know, it's got to be some knowledge he already had or something he already put into place that he hadn't thought of. And whatever he comes up with will help him win against the villain. Believe it or not, the first thing that comes to mind for me when I think about this kind of story is Jaws. Um, <laughs> which I don't even know if I've actually seen the entire first film of Jaws. If I had, it was a long time ago. But I know, I do remember how it ends. And so we have a moment when the main character, who really doesn't change a whole lot over the course of the movie, is, you know, about to be eaten by the shark. And then he finds, and then he has the idea of putting the tank into the shark's mouth and blowing it up. So again, the character doesn't change a whole lot during the course of the film, but he gets to a point where he thinks he's going to die. He's not going to win over this foe. And then he figures out some way to win. So just keep that in mind if it's a more accurate driven plot. Um, the transformation might come more in that form than in the character having this huge life change. But it can happen either way, and it can happen any way in between. Doesn't really matter. It's your story. Make it your own. But this is what the transformation is, and it can inform the rest of the story. Because if you know what the character is going to become, then you know how he started out. And if you know what his transformation is, then you know what the different beats of the story need to be leading up to that transformation. So it becomes a very cohesive, interconnected story that your audience will really, really latch onto and connect with. We always come to the why. Why do they connect with that? Why is the transformation important to us as human beings in a story? Because we all change. We all grow. And when, you know, Harry understands about friendship and bravery and how important that is, especially knowing that he did not have that growing up, we're with him. We feel that with him. We understand that. We've all dealt with bullies and with mean people and with people we've had conflicts with even in our own family. So we get it. When Frodo feels really inadequate in this huge task, oh, heaven knows we've all felt that before, right? And he's determined and he puts it in his pocket and he's going to take action and man, we are just there rooting for him. So this transformation is really important to stories in order for us to connect with them as human beings and to not only root for the characters, but put ourselves in their shoes and take lessons from them in our own lives. So don't underestimate the power of the transformational moment in your story. And especially if you're stuck or feel like your story isn't very cohesive, absolutely, 100%, think about your transformational moment and then craft the rest of the story around it. Okay, that's what I have for today. Everybody go out and look at your work in progress and figure out that transformational moment to make your story stronger. All you readers out there, go find your favorite film or your favorite book or your favorite story and identify the transformational moment and then look back over the story and look at the different beats that led up to that. It'll help you see the story in a whole new way, I promise. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. If you would like to support the show as a patron, hop over to www.patreon.com forward slash story savant. If you're big on Facebook, join our Facebook community at bit.ly forward slash story savant Facebook. To get a free PDF of my nine essential plot points for a page turning story, sign up at bit.ly forward slash story savant courses. All these links are in the show notes. Thanks for joining me today. You can find all my fiction on my website at authorlkhill.com forward slash books. If you found value in anything you heard today, do me a favor and go leave me a review on iTunes. It's the best and easiest way that you can thank me and help others to find and be inspired by these same concepts. Together, we can lift each other through our stories to new heights of understanding and compassion for our fellow man and gain an eternal godlike perspective on our own spirituality. So go consume some stories today. I give you permission.